passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. The last week, not of the show, but of the divisional previews here on the podcast. We go up north. It is the NFC North and the AFC North here on the show this week. We, we have the NFC North on tap today. So Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Lions. We go through all four of those teams. Biggest bus potential, biggest sleeper, one burning question. Myself, Chris Schuber, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians, all here with you to get that done. Let's waste little time, gentlemen. We're on a bit of a time crunch this morning. Let's get into the Green Bay Packers. And if we had to do this maybe three weeks ago, I think this would look a little differently than it does today, at least what our one burning question would have been. A lot of this has really kind of cemented itself over the last couple of weeks, but we will start with the biggest bust potential on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Jamie, I'll go to you first. Well, it's something that we've talked about before, and we've talked about the touchdown regression monster that's going to go and affect some parts uh, of what's happening here in Green Bay. But I'm going to go with Robert Tunyon here. Uh, he's still being selected essentially as a as a top 15 tight end and in some places as a tight end one. And I, again, the huge part of his value last year, and he had a hell of a fantasy season. Like no, Nobody is doubting that. But a huge part of his value last season was his high volume of touchdowns. And it's just an an irrepeatable volume that he's just not going to be able to replicate this year. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simply said. So that's my concern for me. I'm I'm pulling up the numbers from last year. I know we did a whole bit on the show a while back about just the, the ridiculous amount of touchdowns that he caught relative to his targets. But to me, you know, you look at the last, handful of seasons and you and you look at what touchdown rate is and so over the last three years Travis Kelsey's touchdown rate is about a little over six percent uh if you look at the top 10 touchdown uh, percentage tight ends over the last three years so if you averaged all the guys that finished in the top 10 at the tight end position in touchdown percentage over the last three years that rates about 6.77 percent Last year, Robert Tunyon's touchdown percentage was 18.64%. It's just not sustainable. He's not going to catch that many touchdowns relative to the amount of targets that I'm projecting him to get or even the amount of targets that he got last year. So 
Uh, I still think he's in the conversation, you know, among the top 20 tight ends, uh, but he should not be going anywhere near the top 12 right now. And is not somebody that should be, if you come out of your draft with him as your tight end, one in a 12 team league, I think you're probably going to be disappointed. That was all great information, James. I loved all that. That's hard to argue. I actually was going to write that down. I went Randall Cobb. Cause I have a feeling he's going to shoot up boards now all of a sudden that Aaron Rodgers said, the only reason I'm coming back is if we trade for Randall Cobb. And then he threw out there how good he can be in the slot when healthy. I don't really care if he's healthy. I don't know how much Randall Cobb has left. They drafted a guy to take his position in the second round. They're going to want to play that position. I think he's going to fly up boards. I'm not sure where you have him compared to ADP, but I bet his ADP just jumped about 50 spots in most people's stuff. I mean, I, I just see him getting way overdrafted now. Like he's really going to be their secondary piece. And it's still going to be our boy in the backfield. Yeah. And so right now, it, as we let ADP kind of his new ADP set a little bit, he's going, you know, in on ESPN leagues, he's going as the wide receiver 65 um, in some other leagues, he's going as high as, as the wide receiver 60. You know, m- my new, slightly new projection puts him at wide receiver 73. Uh, that's kind of where he lands for me. Uh, and this is where I had an issue. And, well, before we get to, to Chris's bus, let's kind of parlay this a little bit into the sleeper conversation and why I had trouble finding a real strong sleeper on this team is we've got the stars at the very top, and then we just got a bunch of guys, whether it, with, with Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers and – you know, it's the Cobb addition to the team. All it's going to do is slightly hinder, in my estimation, anybody else's potential to be that true singular breakout aside from the Aaron Joneses and Devontae Adams of the world. Like, that's the biggest takeaway for me is more so all of three of those guys, Valdez, Scantling, Lazard, Cobb, are at least worthy of having somewhere on your bench. But the chances that any one of those three break out into a weekly starter for you has taken a hit. I also went with Robert Tunyon as my uh, biggest bust potential. In PPR formats, according to Fantasy Pros, Jamie, he's going as the tight end 10. Uh, and and everything you said applies here. But the other thing that I, I looked at is there's nobody else whose ADP is that in- overvalued to the point where I felt com- – Devontae Adams being the number one wide receiver – I'm good with that. I'm, and he'll I'm go back there that. now that Rodgers is back. He right. was starting. To, he was yeah. slipping to two, uh, but he'll go back to number but, one now. Okay, but even there, I feel comfortable with Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers in, in Fantasy Pros, I believe, has him as QB8 or QB10. I feel comfortable with Aaron Rodgers at that spot. So it's really tough for me to have picked one of those guys. And everybody else, I feel, is in a spot where I'm comfortable with them. The Randall Cobbs, the Alan Lazards, all those guys. Fantasy Pros says Randall Cobb is wide receiver 70. So I went with Tunyon because that's a top, top 10 wide receiver. You're talking tight end one for a guy who's going to have major touchdown regression. It's just a bit of a risk uh, for me. And I have the same issue with sleeper, James. I looked at this, and if Randall Cobb's not on the team, I think it's easy to pick one of the three receivers you mentioned and call them the biggest sleeper. But once you add another receiver into the mix that we know has chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, we know is going to be utilized if Aaron Rodgers has any say in what this offense is going to look like in 2021, it makes it really difficult to pick somebody. I wrote A.J. Dillon's name down because if Aaron Jones gets hurt, A.J. Dillon's going to get work. I, 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 I'm, it, no one can see the video, but I'm just shrugging. I'm throwing my hands up in the air because I didn't really feel comfortable with anybody here. But I put A.J. Dillon down because I can see some sort of workload for him. And if an injury happens to Aaron Jones, he's going to have an opportunity. But I don't, I don't love this. I don't love it at all. I wrote A.J. Dillon as well. I mean, I think I liked what he did in the playoffs. Uh, and that was still with Jamal Murray around, or Jamal Williams around. Um, he's going to take that, that second dairy thing. I mean, 
Aaron Jones can only handle so much. He runs so hard. He's not the biggest guy in the world. I think they want to take touches away from him anyway. They want to prolong the season. We've talked about this 17th game and how that's going to add stuff. And that running back position has to be one of those things. I don't know that it really helps unless Aaron gets hurt. They were talking about, but I, I, I struggle to find anybody else on this team too. The one burning question on this team, Jamie. Yeah, for me, it, it's simply will the, there's this this weird and it's almost narrative based, but for me, it's going to be more of a late season kind of conversation. And they're lucky the fact that their division isn't that formidable. But my question is, if things go poorly for a prolonged stretch, even for a multi-week stretch, will this team rally around this year essentially? I know it's the cliche now, but the last dance style, or will this team start to crumble? You know, we're looking at Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. We're looking at likely Devontae Adams' last year in Green Bay. And really the last run for the superstar core of this roster. If things get weird, if they go through a tough stretch, even in a mediocre division, if they don't have like somebody that's right behind them that's going to challenge them for 11, 12-plus wins, will they rally or will they fall apart and this becomes a late-season storyline that affects all of the fantasy values of some of these top stars? I put the same thing. Give me the chemistry in the locker room. Is Does this a good thing? The Bakhtiaris of the world are one thing that got Aaron's back. There's a bunch of young dudes that they don't know who Brett Favre is. They don't know who Bart Starr is. They don't give a crap that they're playing in Green Bay. They just know they're playing on a good team. And is that locker room as tight as it seems? Or did some of this crap rub, rub those guys the wrong way? And does that start to fester with the young guys versus – a pretty veteran team, but there's a bunch of young guys they're going to count on, and a bunch of those young guys tight with Jordan Love. How does that look? Is the, what does this chemistry look like, and what is that? How does that relate to the field? Yeah, because I, I think Jake, to that point, you know, you bring it up, but you know, at the end of the season, as you get closer to the end, and, and I think the big thing is, if they were like in, let's say, the AFC North, for example, uh, it would be a whole different conversation because they'd have a couple teams that were nipping at their heels. It's going to be tough, barring major injuries, for either you know Chicago or Minnesota to really, really challenge them up in the double-digit-plus win territory. But to your point, Jake, it's very clear that this is going to be Rodgers' last year. If you're a young player and – you're faced with a situation where you feel like you have to choose between the head coach that's going to be there next year, your teammates that are going to be there next year, or the quarterback that's not. I could see that causing some internal friction at some point if things get rocky at some point. If they're going to, if they end up having a 13 14 win season, there's not going to be that many low points for them to worry about. But if that happens, it's at least something to keep an eye on. I wrote for my one burning question, how big is year two of the FU tour for Aaron Rodgers? I just want to see what this looks like. I want to see just how this offense flows, and it's kind of in line with what you guys are saying, but what this looks like in year two. We know that this is Aaron Rodgers last year. He had a fantastic year last year, MVP season. Does he does he try to repeat that? Does he just go nuclear and just say, you know what? F this, I'm going off, and and it just doesn't matter any of that other stuff that you guys are mentioning because it's certainly possible, uh, so I'm interested to see that. Now, before we get to the Bears, I just want to throw this piece of breaking news that has happened while we are recording the show out there. Maybe we can spend two minutes on it. Carson Wentz going to have surgery on that foot, is going to miss five to 12 weeks. So that quarterback situation in Indy That's has a already window. gotten a little weird. But, yes, the team has announced he's going to have surgery. Jamie, to 12. Jamie, where am I leaning on the five to 12? Uh, 13. Yes. <laughs> but yes, five to 12 weeks for Carson Wentz. So 
I we we did our AFC South conversation uh, last week. I I don't know how much this changes. Obviously, it's a different quarterback, and that changes what Carson Wentz's projections are. It changes the way that wide receiver room is going to structure. Uh, there was already talks about them potentially trading for somebody in that room. So it'll be interesting to see how they choose to approach this here now that they know he's he's more than likely going to miss the start of the season. Jacob Eason can flat sling it, but apparently they don't like him because they're already signing uh, signing people. They're talking about trading for people. Five to 12 weeks on a foot. Yes, it's a quarterback. It's a little bit different, but it's still going to be air on the side of 12 people. This is not a five-week thing. Feet do not come back that fast. He's still a really big guy. I tell you this all the time. We're talking about feet and, feet and ankles. This is a problem, a big, big, big problem. So apparently so gonna, it was a – I'm doing a, math a, on the show, Chris. So one, Okay, two, so three, while you four. do that math, I'm going to just tell everybody that this is apparently an old foot injury dating back to potentially high school, and over the time, over time this broken bone came loose, and then so now they've made the decision to have the surgery to remove it. So this has been something that apparently has been, uh, has been lingering for Carson Wentz from dating all the way back to high school. So all right, did, did I give you enough time to do the math yeah. there, James? So if we want to go 12 weeks from yesterday okay. is week seven. If if we want if we want to put this in because we're going to have to start talking in football terms, so you can put uh, them on the pup list. Uh, would be week seven, and and they play Sunday night football in San Francisco. That would oh. be twelve weeks from yesterday. I ain't bringing him back for that one. So, so they put him on the pup list. He can come back anytime after week seven, right? After week six, yeah. After, yeah, yeah. after so. So technically, yeah. if they put him on the pop list. Yes, he would be eligible for that game. For that, which game. is, but and and that would equal the twelve weeks on that twelve week timeline from yesterday. Now, I'm assuming that's twelve weeks from today, essentially. Um, and then it, it's interesting because then they have a stretch there where they come back and they play Tennessee the following week on Sunday on week eight, and then immediately have a turnaround to Thursday night football in week nine. So I think you have to at least be prepared that it could be as early as week seven, maybe even as late as week ten. Um, I, I, I would, so when I go back and I was going to redo my Colts projection today, so I'm actually very happy. We at least have something to work off of versus me trying to guess how long he might be out. Uh, I think I'm going to just assume at minimum that he misses six games. When do they have to make the pup decision by? Um, I think, no, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's roster cut down. They have, they're going to have to. I mean, they'll they'll have. A I mean, they'll, they'll put them on regular pup now that they can just. I mean, they'll they'll put them on like training camp pup now, and then they'll just put them on. Yeah, and they'll get a couple more weeks of information to make that decision. But there's no way that's not that going to happen to save that roster spot. I mean, when it went from I'm going to rest and wait and see to we're having surgery and we're talking up to 12 weeks, the big jump in 24 hours. Yep. Yes. The scans yes. were already back, and they were. He was like, I'm going to wait and see. I'm a rest. Broken bones and feet on big dudes do not just heal with rest. Yeah, and so, they have a late buy too. It's week fourteen, so like that's not gonna. You don't um, even have that to use in your back pocket to help bring him back. So no. All right. So like I said, it, it looks like here. at this point, figure week seven's probably the earliest at that, and even then feels tenuous at best. And it's not like Carson Wentz was, unless you were in a two quarterback or super flex league, a player that you were going to take. Uh, but. It's definitely going to affect everybody else's fantasy values. I got to, I'm going to reevaluate where uh, where everybody else goes at the receiver spot, and obviously Jonathan Taylor is going to take a little bit of a hit as well. Um, just just from his very top top spot there as RB three, he will not be RB three when I redo these. So keep an eye out for that. But man, that is, I still think they take a quarterback or, or bring in a quarterback. Uh, I, I'm still on the mind that I think it's going to end up being Nick Foles, but we'll see. 
That's not exactly oh, exciting. Dude. But just Nick Foles following Carson Wentz around. Just unbelievable. So funny. Uh, speaking of fantasy values, let's get into the Chicago Bears. Who so we still got three more teams in the NFC North. Uh, Jake, the biggest bust potential for you on the Chicago Bears is blank. David Montgomery. I think it's got to be. Finished the season great last year. I'm not sure he can, he can keep that going. This offense should look different with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields when he comes in. They're down a receiver, but they've added other running backs. I mean, the biggest treat, Cohen, coming off the ACL. I love the kid from Virginia Tech that they took. I think there's people there that can take into that workload, and we go back to that same thing. We're talking about running backs. Do they have as many carries early trying to get through the year? This this quarter, this uh, entire building is on the hot seat now. It's coach, GM, court, I mean, the older quarterback, everybody but Justin Fields. I just I can't see him having the same finish to the season he's had the last two years and prolonging that for 17 games. I also put David Montgomery down. Is it a clean sweep, Jamie? Not quite, but I did think about him. Uh, the other player that I want to mention here, and I don't think he's going to be a bust once he plays, but I think he's going to be bust based on where he's getting drafted in certain spots right now, and that's Justin Fields. Uh, I I'm, I think he'll be a, a really solid fantasy player when he plays. But right now, I, I looked at a few of these places in particular, and if you play on the CBS fantasy football right now, he's being drafted as the QB 13. Uh, which I think is crazy. He's not going to start week one. Uh, I don't it's know. It's not even a competition right now. Yeah. I, I don't know when he's going. I do expect him to start at some point this season. I just don't know when that's going to be. And I'm not going to take him outside of that, like, you know, that mid QB two range. If I'm holding on to him uh, to take him as QB 13, where I've seen him some, I've seen him QB 15 in certain, in certain settings. Now ESPN and Yahoo have him a little bit lower and I think they have him ranked properly in, in terms of ADP. But this goes back to the conversation we've had before about where you draft has an effect on what players become available to you. If you're on a CBS league or, or an FFC league, do not take Justin Fields at his current ADP. I think it'd be perfectly fine fantasy wise when he's on the field, but you're going to be waiting a little bit biggest sleeper for the Chicago Bears and I have a name written down in all caps all okay. caps for this one well why don't you kick us off Chris then if you're this excited I put Darnell Mooney down as my biggest sleeper for that's the not Chicago a, that's Bears. everybody's pick it's not a I, sleeper anymore it's a I'm sorry sleeper I'm sorry have you seen where his ADP is even after Anthony Miller's gone it's top, almost top 50 now isn't it no, not according to Fantasy Pros. Let me let me double check my work from this morning. Well, you double check. I'll say that I put Mooney down as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jake, for having me with the backup there. He's literally wide receiver 50, Jamie. He's literally okay, right so there as wide receiver. Okay, and he's going to keep rising as more drafts happen. So I feel very comfortable with putting him down as my sleeper. Fine. I put slash Cole bet, but I put Mooney. Yeah, I mean, Mooney's going to be great. I just, I, it's not that I'm disagreeing that Mooney's going to be great. I will say, like, and I will preface that like by it. saying, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be that good when he plays, and I think Andy Dalton will be much better for the receiving core while he's in there. I went with a different receiver here for sleeper. I went Demir Bird. Uh, I think he's going to end up being the starting slot receiver for the Bears. He's going to take over for Anthony Miller. Uh, you know, Daz Newsom's hurt right now in camp. I think Bird is going to be a player that's going to get some significant work this year in the slot. Not somebody that, again, is going to be a weekly starter for you, uh, but I do think he's worthy of at least consideration of a bench spot right now. Uh, he's going outside the top, I believe, 140 wide receivers right now uh, in in ADP. Uh, wide receiver, excuse me, 135 is his, is his ADP right now. Uh, I have him at Can't wide receiver 84. Yes. So uh, he's somebody that I definitely want to 
Uh, I want to at least put a little star by because I do think he can have some big weeks. And when you're looking for potential options and solid matchups during bye weeks, uh, Demir Burr might be that solid wide receiver three flex option for you. That would be Bears beat reporter Jamie Eisner on the beat (laughs) with the Bears talk. Look, if you look at what Andy Dalton did last year with slot receivers, yes, CeeDee Lamb was an absolute beast, but I like that. That's going a little deep in the bag, but it's, it's solid. The one burning question for the Chicago Bears team. I wrote down, uh, when does this offense hand things off to Justin Fields? I went kind of where, where you guys went for your bus, and I said, will Matt Nagy stunt David Montgomery's fantasy production? Because David Montgomery really took off as a fantasy superstar for the most part. Yes, the Tariq Cohen preseason season-ending injury was a huge factor in it, but the other huge factor was the amount of times Bill Lazor committed to the run and rushing the football in the back half of last season. Now that Matt Nagy is taking the play calling back, I expect it to be a more pass-heavy offense because that's basically what he has operated with since he's come to Chicago. Will that push David Montgomery, especially with Cohen back, back into that role of, you know, he's going to be a solid RB2, but just no upside. Like last year he showed RB1 upside for prolonged stretches, but with the, with the going back to Nagy, I start to wonder if he's just going to be relegated to the role that he's had the last couple of years, which has been okay, but not the fantasy superstar he was in the back half of last season. My, My question's a little long. Can the Bears win enough games early before Nagy panics to keep his job and plays the rookie? I They have that five-game murderer's row stretch of defenses from like – I don't know, week six, seven through like 12 or 13, whatever it is. It's absolutely freaking brutal. If he's not going to, if they don't win enough games early, they're going to panic and go to fields to save their job. And then they're just going to tank. They're going to put it on the, on the rookie. They're not going to be any good. And they're going to say, okay, this is how we buy more years. We're both in a lame duck year. Can they win a couple games early? So Justin Fields doesn't have to go into that stretch as like his first start. Cause I think this whole offense looks completely different. He's playing for those five or six weeks. Those defense, like, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, Tampa, New Orleans, and somebody else, like in San Francisco, maybe like six straight weeks. It's just absolutely brutal. The Minnesota Vikings, the next team up. Biggest bust potential, Jamie. Uh, the, you, this and Zach Cohen will be really happy with me. I went with Irv Smith Jr. here, still being taken as a tight end one, tight end 12. I. I there's a point where you have to when when a coach that is as blunt and as honest as Mike Zimmer continues to say the same things over and over again that you have to just stop and pay attention and listen to what he's telling you and what he's telling you is that Irv Smith Jr.'s role is not poised to increase this year and, and that is what he's been saying this entire offseason that they like what they have in Tyler Conklin they they're going to use two tight ends again and Irv Smith Jr. will have big weeks. He'll have his moments. He's still worthy of being, you know, in that tight end two category and even fringe draftable. But the big thing I liked about Irv Smith Jr. earlier this offseason is I expected his workload to increase significantly with Kyle Rudolph no longer being there and the fact they don't have an established wide receiver three on the roster. But if he's just not going to be on the field that often, you're now relying on him to have those big touchdown weeks and he becomes essentially a touchdown play. And when you are like that, you're in a group of about, 15 other tight end twos that could be solid for you if they catch a touchdown that week. So to me, him going as a tight end one right now, I just, I can't justify given the way the entire momentum of this off season has gone as much as I really was hoping for him to get an increased opportunity in Minnesota. Jake, Justin Jefferson. I love this kid. He's an absolute stud, but I don't think he repeats his rookie year. 
put everything on tape that you do against for defenses to watch. And yes, he gets off man really well, plays really good against zone as well. He has got the wiggle. He's got that extra little shake that a lot of these young guys have to get open. But his rookie year was sensational. It, it, they still everything still goes through Dalvin Cook on this offense. I just I don't think he can match that same production. And he's ahead of where's he at ADP wise. He's, he's ahead of some superstar ones. Wide receiver seven. Uh, the five names directly behind him in PPR formats are AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and Ceedee Lamb. Those are behind him. Those are behind him. Yes, those are those are me, names. To me, this was 12. absolutely easy. He's not in that range. Jamie, I have a question for you because I also put Justin Jefferson down. Where do yeah. you, I forget where you have Justin Jefferson on your wide receiver rankings. Do you have those up to where you can? You yeah, can I, I have him at seven. Okay. So, and it feels to me, the point I was making, and that's why I asked where you had him is seven feels like the peak. It, it, like Correct. if Justin Jefferson repeats what he did last year, it feels like wide receiver seven is his absolute peak. And it just feels too risky to take to take Justin Jefferson. Again, I think Justin Jefferson is incredible. I think Justin Jefferson has a fantastic year. I think he's one of the best young receivers in the game. But to ask him to match what he did a year ago, I think is just asking a lot and asking too much. And I think you're bound to get burned by it. So for, to me, biggest bust potential is Justin Jefferson doesn't end up as the wide receiver 7. He ends up as the wide receiver 15, the wide receiver 20. And you spent top 10 wide receiver capital to, to get him, right? And so that's the issue that I had with it. That's why I put him down. Um, biggest sleeper on the Minnesota Vikings, Jamie. So I'm, I went deep into the, the bag again oh, here. Of for course this you one. did. Of course you did. I went with DD Westbrook who they just signed BC Johnson tours ACL over the weekend is out for the season. They still don't have, uh, you know, they don't have an established wide receiver three on the roster right now. They've got a handful of rookies and like Chad BB and those guys. I, I know that a lot of like a ton of the volume goes to Jefferson, Thielen, and Cook. So there's not like there's going to be all of these targets available. But you know, Thielen has missed some time, you know, over the years. He's not like he's had a perfect bill of health. There isn't another established option. Dalvin Cook has missed time almost every year. Uh, he's missed less and less recently, but he's missed some time. There's going to be games where they're going to walk in and whoever wins that wide receiver three job is going to end up being the number two target for certain games during the season. I want to keep an eye on D.D. Westbrook right now. He's somebody that I'm really intrigued by. Not drafting him yet. This is a waiver wire speed dial type player. Uh, but if he makes this roster and gets up to speed, I know he's got a connection with their wide receivers coach, McCardell, from their time in Jacksonville. If he can win that job and be that number three option for them, there will be times where you're going to look at him on the waiver wire and go, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on him. So he's somebody that I really want to keep a close eye on. Jake, your biggest sleeper. You and I have been kind of in lockstep here on the show today. We have been. I, I like that one, Jamie. I like Diddy Westbrook a lot. And this guy that can move around. I put Irv Smith because Jamie pretty much sold it. Why, why we all think that could be the case is that third option. But I like old coaches that are honest. And I agree with Jamie. I don't know how much I like this. I struggled to find one, but, you know, as I said th three times on the show now, at least I wrote a name down. I went with Irv Smith, but I don't like it. I mean, the potential's there to be a star. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, there's no, no, no shots needed to be taken. I have a name written down for everything so far. So far today, yes. So Go far, ahead. and I, I can what is your name? that for the next team. I put Alexander Madison for this one. Um, just because I, again, it, it, I, I think that Madison is an interesting handcuff. If you already have Dalvin cook, I think there's an opportunity there uh, because Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you were doing the, the projection for this in the deep dive, Madison still has a role, even if Dalvin cooks around, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, even with Dalvin it, cook on the team, Madison's going to get his. And if Dalvin cook gets hurt, 
it's not a one for one step in replace the production but it is a one for one he steps in and can take on that 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 workload and be effective yeah madison's worthy of being on your bench if cook is healthy he's obviously a must start every week when cook is out but that yeah. that's what you're banking on when you take him there and and by the way i will i'll say this about handcuffs and we'll get into draft strategy and a lot of stuff over the course of august and september but if you have a, especially particularly if you have a deep bench don't be afraid to take other people's handcuffs I know the initial reaction is to always take an insurance policy on yourself and your own guys. But if Dalvin Cook gets hurt, it doesn't matter if he's on your team or not. You're going to want to have Alexander Madison. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. If you only, again, if you have a short bench, I mean, there are some leagues that play with three or four bench slots. You really can't take those opportunities just because you don't have enough room to maneuver during the season. But if you have a deep bench, start looking at some of these handcuffs, even for, for superstars on other teams. Like just because you didn't draft Dalvin Cook or just because you didn't draft Zeke, just because you didn't draft some of these guys doesn't mean you can't take their their handcuff and keep them on your bench because if something happens to those players, you have a weekly starter. Yeah, Beast Mode Jr. is a favorite on the show. I'm never going to knock Alexander Madison as being your sleeper on this. Uh, Jake, your one burning question for the Minnesota Vikings. I put offensive identity. Is it really all going through Cook? Are we going to see more three wide, 11 personnel? We don't. They've run with a fullback. They've not run with a fullback. I like the D.D. Westbrook thing. I think he fits really well with those other two receivers. Um, I, I just – are we going to get away from so run heavy, and is this team going to be good enough to really run it like they want to run it they've run it in the past? I'm not sure. I, I want to know what this offensive identity looks like. Jamie, yours? Yeah, I went with and, – and it goes back to my D.D. Westbrook, Irv Smith Jr. Basically, the whole theme of this conversation, who is the number four pass catcher on this roster? You've got Thielen, you've got Jefferson, you got Dalvin Cook. Who is going to be number four? And I think that question, if, if there is a clear and decisive answer this season, that player is probably going to be fantasy relevant. Uh, I put down what does the sophomore slump for Justin Jefferson look like? He's probably, you know, outside of Dalvin Cook, one of the top people that is being targeted on this Minnesota team. So what does that look like? And what does that trickle-down effect have to the rest of those pass catchers? All right, last team up. The Detroit Lions, biggest bust potential. Jamie, you can go first. Went TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I, lo- I love him. And again, I, I don't, this is another one of those guys where I don't expect him to bust, but I can easily make a case for it happening. And I think that's the difference here. Comes in as my tight end six behind the big five that we've talked about so much. Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Andrews, and Kyle Pitts. My concern is going to be this, and it's nothing to do with TJ Hawkinson himself or his talent because he really ascended last season and really look like a star player. I really think the quarterback downgrade is getting ignored. And I know, and it, it seems weird to me because people have been going LOL Jared Goff for years now, but they're not carrying that over into this conversation. I know there's, there's a benefit of there. Who is there to take targets from him? I, I understand that conversation, but Jared Goff is not exactly somebody that has made a concerted effort over the years to target tight ends. And I'm not, I'm just not certain you're going to get the same level of looks his way this year and the same level of chemistry between Goff and Hawkinson, like we saw with Matthew Stafford and Hawkinson. So I think he's going to have a really good season. You know, I, I think we're talking like my projections have him, you know, like 71 catches, 800, 850 yards, six or seven touchdowns. I think he's going to have a really good season. I just don't think he's going to have a great season. I don't think he's going to have a season that we would say, okay, he's going to take another step forward this year, like we would have seen if Stafford was still there. So to me, I can see this scenario where he finishes 
tight end nine, tight end 10, somewhere like that. Like I don't have him projected to be there. I have him at my tight end six, but there are too many questions about the quarterback situation and about that team as a whole that I just, I don't think it's a given that he's automatically going to take a step forward. Like people want to take him as a top four tight end. They want to take him over pits. They want to take him over Andrews. If Stafford was still there and they had Galladay and Marvin Jones still there, and this was the Lions offense from last from the beginning of last year or two years ago, I could be on board with that. I'm just not on board with, with this current Lions structure. Jake? I put Swift slash Hawkinson since Jamie just so eloquently put how Hawkinson, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm going to put Swift. This team wants to run the ball. They want to chew you off at kneecaps. They want to do all that stuff. This offensive line is improved. They don't want to put it all on Jared Goff, but they're going to suck. It, point blank. So I don't think they're going to be able to run it as much as they want to run it. I think Swift is more involved in the passing game. I th- still think he's a stud. I-, I think he's definitely draftable. I just think he has the potential that name gets so big being a first round pick and you see him as a three down star, which he could be, but he hasn't been yet. To me, there's just too many questions here to be able to put him in that. I got to have him. I'm going to overdraft him. I'm going to take him a little high category, which I think a lot of people are going to do. So we'll go this morning put together my list of the names that I've been thinking about over the weekend. And we got, I got to the Detroit lions and the biggest bus potential. I wrote down TJ Hawkinson's name. I got up. I went to go make my morning coffee. I sat back down. I erased TJ Hawkinson's name and I put it, I I put in all caps, Deandre Swift, because (laughs) if there's one thing I'm going to triple down on this take. So Jake, you, I'm so glad you're here with me because I agree 100%. There's competition in that room, and I know that he had competition in that room last year, but I think the competition in the room this year with Jamal Williams is different. I think it does take away from his workload a little bit. They are going to stink, and they are going to have to throw the ball way too much late in games in the second half if they are going to want to try to compete and win. And I'm here to tell you, Dan Campbell is going to want to try to compete and win. He is going to just sling it. They're going to try to throw the ball in second half of games to try to win. So I don't know where all of this production is coming from. That's not to say DeAndre Swift can't be a valuable fantasy asset. But at running back 15, thanks, but no thanks. I have moved on from the DeAndre Swift bandwagon. I was burned by it last year. I have moved on. So I have firmly planted the flag in the DeAndre Swift biggest bust potential on the Detroit Lions. All right, Chris, I want to make a bet with you on this. Okay, sure. I already have a bet on the Lions. So So let's talk about DeAndre Swift. So average fantasy points per game. I'll take top 15. All right, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take outside of the top 15. Deal. Done. Book. Write that on the, the, the board yeah, that you the, keep going. The TDN bets spread. Here's why I have yeah. Uh I don't actually have him rushing for a thousand yards. Uh I, I don't think that I don't think you're looking if you're looking for huge rushing numbers, this is not where it's gonna be. I have him actually down at 925 rushing yards. But I do think he can actually be a 90 target player in this offense if he stays healthy. Just with the amount of times they're gonna throw the ball, the way he's gonna be used. I think that's where you're gonna be almost you gotta think about it almost like the first month of last season, Zeke, where the rushing was just not where you want it to be, but he got so much volume in the passing game that it ends up kind of booing him into RB1 territory. Not to, not quite to that extent, but that's kind of what I'm looking at with DeAndre Swift, where you're going to be relying on a lot of targets to get to that fantasy production. So I got standard league half PPR or PPR, is a dip, I think there's a big swing in where you would put Swift in those three types of scoring formats. I agree and disagree tremendously. I agree he can do that. He should be that player in this offense. But I'm going to remind everyone of what Jamal Williams does better than pretty much everybody in the league. Pick up the blitz. Have the quarterbacks back in the backfield. Catch it and get you five yards when you need to. That role alone is going to cut into how many targets Swift has. He can get a bunch on first and second down. If they're throwing it late, 
if they're throwing it the whole second half, and that's what Jamal Williams does, and that coaching staff trusts him to do what he does as good as anybody in the league, that's cutting into Swift's time on the field in the second half when they're throwing it that much. Biggest sleeper on the Detroit Lions. Let's go very quick uh, around the room for this one. I have Amon Ross St. Brown as my biggest sleeper just because I think that the ADP for this Lions wide receiver room is very depressed right now, and somebody's going to catch these targets, and I think it's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to agree with you again, which is scaring me now because this is an entire show that me and the hype train are agreeing. Yes. But I'm buying in. I like this kid, and they got nothing else. Right. That's the big thing for me. I can actually see him being a, a buzz, too, because he's actually getting some love in the fantasy community. But I like this kid. I think he's going to be all right. So we'll keep the wide receiver theme rolling here because, I mean, I think that's – you have to pick your guy. Um, I like I'm going to say, bro, but I went Tyrell Williams. I think he's actually going to be the number one wide receiver in Detroit for whatever the hell that's worth at this point. Uh, right now, going outside the top 80 wide receivers, I am at wide receiver 66. It's wide um, receiver 83 on Fantasy Pros. Yeah. That's one of so, Jamie's dudes, man. Like, it I, is. I he was my dude going back coming. to the, the Chargers days and then obviously with, with the Raiders and now here. Got to stay healthy, downfield guy. He's a guy that's got to make something work off four or five targets deep down the field. But uh, look, there's somebody, they're going to be fantasy relevant players on this Lions pass catching group. The problem is, is how many of them will there be on a given week? And is it even the same player each week? So, I'm inclined to say there's somebody on the Lions wide receiver group that you're going to want to have, but I don't know if it's going to be the same player every single week. Uh, Burning question Uh, for me. It's what does the target distribution look like for this pass catching group? How does, how does Jared Goff for the targets that we are going to see him divvy out? Where does it, where do they get distributed? Who steps up? Who is that top pass catching option? More than likely TJ Hawkinson, but who's number two, who's number three. How does that distribute? Cause I think that that is going to be the biggest difference maker when trying to evaluate this football team. Agree hundred percent. And I went with what Jake said earlier, which is the, what is the distribution in terms of targets to the running backs in terms of DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, when they're on the field, how they're used. That's the biggest question for me. That's it. AF, uh, excuse me, NFC North in the books. The AFC North to wrap up our fantasy divisional previews uh, comes to you on Wednesday. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And then be sure to check out the fantasy tab at the draftnetwork.com. Uh, the projections page is a living, breathing page. So if you go to any of the, the projections, you'll be able to see anything that's been updated. I've got new projections for Randall Cobb, Kiki QT, Rashad Bateman will be in there soon. And then I will have to work my way uh, through what this new group of Colts looks like, given the Carson Wentz news that we talked about that broke during the show. Jake. Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. You can follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. And Jamie mentioned it, thedraftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab is where you can find all of Jamie's rankings and projections so you can look at these numbers for yourselves. It's draft season. The calendar has turned to August, so it is draft season in fantasy football world. So you're going to want to have that stuff at your disposal when you are making your decisions. So thedraftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. Everybody have a great start to your week. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.